0: Well, let's get into God's Word. Are you, ready? are you ready to dig into God's Word this morning? Come on, are you ready to dig into God's Word this morning and just to feast on the Word of the Lord? Well, I want to invite you to pull out your handheld device or your Bible, and sermon notes are on the back of the bulletin, or you can pull them up on your handheld device going to our church website. And I shout out welcome again to those that are watching online in our city, our province, nation, and globally around the world. Well, it's hard to believe we're in the seventh part of an eight-part sermon series. And this is the second last message. And I honestly have enjoyed just studying and exploring the greatest prayer that I've ever heard, the Lord's Prayer. Isn't it an amazing prayer that Jesus taught us? And I've discovered that it's not one prayer, it's actually eight prayers. It's a model prayer. It's how it can reshape, revamp, and up our prayer life. And if you're looking at the screen, you'll, you'll see that we started talking, number one, about the prayer the prayer of connection, our Father in heaven. That was message number one. And then in message number two, we talked about the prayer of recognition. And we zeroed in on, hallowed be your name. And then we explored the prayer of surrender, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we explored the prayer of dependence, give us today our daily bread. And then the prayer of cleansing, forgive us our debts. And then the prayer of release, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Last Sunday, we talked about the theme of, of forgiveness. Now this morning, I want to look at verse 13. This is, this is the second last prayer in the Lord's Prayer. It's in verse 13. It's the prayer of deliverance. And and here it is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As I begin this message today, I want to just give you a little nugget of truth before we come to our notes, that there is a a big difference between trials and temptation. And I want to share with you that trials are something that, that God allows to come in our life, to shape us, to mold us. And I think you all know that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that life is going to be super easy, and uh, you're going to face some tough times. Am I right, folks? And you're going to walk through some difficult moments. But How many people know God is faithful in those difficult moments, right? How many people know that trials can shape us, trials can refine us? And trials are something that God allows. But temptation is way different than trials. God doesn't tempt us. The devil tempts us. And the devil's going to speak things in your mind, and you don't get to choose your temptation. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if you got to choose your temptation? You don't get to choose your temptation. I mean, The devil knows where your weak points are. The devil knows how he can get at you when you're in a, a low moment at life. And, and you don't get to choose that temptation, but here it is. You get to choose how you respond to that temptation. And, and sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, when we talk about temptation... Our mind immediately goes to the big things like pornography and adultery and, and murder. And I mean the big things. And, and we sit back and go, well, that's not my deal. And, 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 but, but there are subtle temptations that come our way. Now, let me, let me just talk to you for a couple of moments about some of the, the subtle temptations. Because I, I think this is going to be honest talk this morning. I think that there's people sitting here today that you're tempted to give up on God. I think there's people sitting here this morning, you're tempted to stop praying and believing for your miracle because nothing's changed in your life. I think there's some people here today, you're tempted to give up on your family. I think there's some people today, you're tempted to just bail and give up and just, you've got a subtle temptation and it's, it's the devil speaking things in your mind and trying to get you to do things that are not honoring to God. And so let's go back to that prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How many people are glad this morning? Our God is bigger, greater, mightier, stronger. Come on! How many people are glad that our God is bigger, greater, mightier, stronger? I mean, there might be a devil that's roaming around. There might be a, a bully of the devil in your head trying to speak things into your mind. But how many people are glad Jesus is bigger, greater, mightier, stronger? Come on! How many people are glad that Jesus is bigger, mightier, greater, stronger? And so we're going to explore this, and I'm going to talk some honest, transparent talk today. We're going to talk about lead us not into temptation. Let's get right to it. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10 13. I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 10 13. Paul said, No temptation, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. I want to push pause because sometimes in life you think you're the only one facing this temptation, but you need to hear me. I'll tell you, the devil's not creative. The devil's not creative. And he's going to throw similar temptations at you that he's throwing at someone else. What you are walking through, somebody else is facing the same temptation. You hear me today? Sometimes you think, I'm it. I'm the only one. I'm the only one in church this morning feeling this temptation. No. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. I love this next part. And God is faithful. Is there a witness in the house? God is faithful? Come on. Is there a witness in the house? God is God is faithful. He he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. God will never, I tell you, even though temptation might come from the evil one, God is still on the throne. And sometimes theologically, we feel like the devil is winning, but the devil is not winning. The devil was defeated when Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago. God is still on the throne. God is still in charge. You need to get that in your spirit. There. He's faithful and He's in charge, and because He's faithful and He's in charge, He's not going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But look at verse. Look at the latter part of verse thirteen. But when you are tempted, it's not if you will be tempted, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out. He will give you an escape road. He will give you a way out so that you can endure it, so that you will not falter in that temptation. You don't get to choose your temptation. Now, here's another, another nugget of truth, and I've seen this many times. I meet sometimes Christians that go, I don't get it. I have no clue why they're struggling with anger. Like, come on, man, that's an easy one. And or, I don't get it why they struggle with pornography, or I don't get it why they're ready to give up. It's, it's interesting that we don't understand someone else's temptation because we're not being tempted by what they are being tempted by. And so it's difficult to understand someone else's temptation when it's not your temptation. Does that make sense? And so we've got to be careful that we are not, we're not judging people because we're not walking through what they're walking in. You know, the devil's watching you, and the devil knows your weak points, and the devil knows when to get you. We're going to talk about that today. So I, I want to talk to you today very transparently, very openly, and I want you to take notes. Six steps In the path of escape, six steps of how to experience 1 Corinthians 10, 13. How to experience this prayer of deliverance. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, help us with this. Give me, oh God, some practical truth. So here it is. Number one, I must identify what makes me vulnerable. I need to understand what is bringing me and opening the door in my life to that temptation. What is my pattern? What is my vulnerability towards this? What is leaning me and edging me towards this? Now, before I come to these truths, everybody in this house this morning has a a uniquely different design of God has made you. And and there is is a a nature in you, and there is a nurturing that has happened to you. Now, let me say that again. There is a, a nature that is in you, and there is a nurturing that has happened to you. I mean, I was raised in a home that was different than your upbringing, and some of my nurturing has created an environment in my life that has caused the devil to bring things in my life to become my temptation. I mean, if you were raised in a home where mom and dad were angry, probably you're going to have some temptations to have that emotion of anger and sin in your anger. Are you hearing me today, friends? there's a nurturing that can happen but then there's a nature that is in you i mean i mean and the devil watches us and, and, and so there's these things that the devil tries to, to lean us towards and, and make it our temptation and we need to understand what are our vulnerable points so i'm going to give you i'm going to give you a scripture here and then i'm going to give you some some thoughts to think about matthew 26:41 remember remember the disciples they're, they're trying to pray with jesus and jesus says watch Watch and pray. Don't just pray, watch. I mean, you got to pray about this, but watch. Take note. So that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing. Man, the flesh is weak. How many people know willpower is not enough to get you through the temptation thing? It just isn't enough. I mean, you you need the spirit. The spirit is willing. I want to deal with this, but man, my flesh is weak. And there's a war going on inside you. It's the spirit part of you and it's the flesh part of you. And sometimes the spirit part of us seems to to be defeated by the flesh part of us. But we need to understand that the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. But God is greater. God is bigger. But we got to understand and identify what makes us vulnerable. So let me walk this through. Let me give you five questions. Number one, when am I most tempted? What time of day? What day? When am I most tempted? Now... I've walked some journeys years ago where I, I needed to deal with some weight issues in my life, and I was just eating way too much, and I started this diet thing, and i got to be honest with you, dieting is easy for me from six in the morning until six in the evening, but man, do I struggle from 6.01 to midnight. You, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I tell you, at that, that's the time of day when I was trying to deal with this, this issue of I, I was overeating. And I needed to, I just, it was tough for me. That was a a terrible time for me. Let me give you a nugget of truth and a window in my life. I mean, God just downloads things into my heart. And I can remember last Sunday, just to be very transparent, there was a word stirring in my heart about forgiveness that I I couldn't contain it. I I had to get that word out of me. And I, I shared it, two morning services. And you need to understand that after a preacher has unburdened his heart, he feels empty. She feels empty. I mean, I'm, I'm empty. I mean, I'm drained. There's nothing in me because all that's in me is out of me. And the most susceptible time to a preacher for temptation is after they have preached. I mean, you've given it your all. You poured poured out and you're empty. You got nothing left in you. And then and the devil goes, ah, I want to fill that emptiness with the things of the enemy. You hear me today? When? When are you most tempted? Now, that, you, we talk a lot about, let's go to number two. Where where am I most tempted? Where, where's the location? Where where, where where am I most tempted? Is it at work? Is it at work when, when I'm away? From, is it, or maybe it's when I'm at home. When I, I, can, I can just unload and unleash, thinking I'm safe enough to do that in the presence of my family, and, and, and I'm tempted, and I'm doing things I shouldn't do, and saying things I shouldn't say. Is it at work? Is it at home? Where, where where is the place that you are most tempted? Where? You've got to understand the vulnerable place. Where, where am I most tempted? Is it location? Is, is it work? Is it home? Where? Where? We, we could camp on that for a long time. But let's go to number three. Who is with me when I'm most tempted? And sometimes the person who's with you when you're most tempted is nobody's with you. You're all alone. Or maybe you're most tempted when you're in another city. And, and there's a lot of people around you, but nobody knows you. And you're thinking, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens when I'm on my trip is what happens on my trip. Uh, nobody knows me. Nobody sees me. But, but God is watching. Where? Where? Who's, who's with me? Is it, is it, am I most tempted when there's nobody there? Am I most tempted when a certain person is with me? I mean, bad character can corrupt you. I mean, it's difficult to soar like an eagle when you're hanging out with the turkeys. Am I right? It's really difficult to soar like an eagle when you're hanging out with the turkeys. And the devil will put turkeys in your life that will lead you astray. Who is with you when you're most vulnerable? Who? And then there's number four. What temporary benefit do I get if I give in to this temptation? I mean, let's be honest. There's, there's, a, there's a short-term benefit of pleasure in sin. Now, sometimes that's just the reality of it. There just is. Does it bring you joy? Does it, does it bring you excitement? Does it bring you pleasure? What, what, what is the benefit? What is the benefit? You gotta. What is it that's the benefit that you receive when you succumb to that temptation? And, and it's, it's a short-term benefit. I mean, you get the kick, but then you get the kick back. Am I right? I mean, you get the kick of the temptation... When you act on it, and temptation's not sin, but acting on the temptation can lead you to sin and cause you to do stuff that, that you know is not honoring to God. What, what, is, what is the kick that and it ends up being a kickback? And then there's number five, how, how do I feel? This is a big one. How do I feel? We're going to explore this a little more in a few moments. How do I feel right before I'm tempted? And I've sat with people that say to me, Mark, right before the temptation comes, i 'm frustrated, and the devil knows when i 'm frustrated he can tempt me and i 'm going to falter or, or mark i 'm most tempted when i 'm bored idle time can become the devil 's playground right what, what what how do I feel right before i 'm tempted what is the what is the emotional feeling am I frustrated am i angry am i am i lonely am i what, whats what 's the feeling what, what what is it like right before I'm tempted. So, so as a preacher, I know. I know once I've given it all out, the devil's going to mess with my mind and try to try to tempt me and get me to, to do things I shouldn't do and say things I shouldn't say and act on things I shouldn't act upon. And I, I know one of the feelings in my life right before I'm tempted is when I'm feeling empty on the inside. So here's what I do. Because I've given it all out and I poured my heart out. I, I, after I preach... I just get alone with Jesus and say, fill my cup, Lord. I've poured out, fill my cup more with you. Fill me up with you, Lord. Come and fill the void of the emptiness because I've poured out. And so I want you to to, to think about those questions. And I want you for a few moments today to, to identify in your life, what's the pattern? What makes you vulnerable? Let's build a little farther. Let's go to number two. I must plan to avoid it. i got to take a plan. i got to be proactive. Now, I want you to think for a moment about the nature inside of you. And sin nature inside of us often begins with the desire of its own is not sin. I mean, now think about it. God gave every one of us in this room today... And I'm just being honest talk. It's not our Unite service, so I can be honest talk here. I can say things that I wouldn't say in the presence of our children. But God has put sexual desires in every single human being. I mean, it's natural. Who gave that desire to you? God. It's a God-given desire. And and a desire that's a natural God-given desire, temptation steps in and it becomes a sinful desire when the desire is acted upon maybe at the wrong time or maybe in the wrong way or sometimes in other realms in the wrong amount. And so the devil takes a natural desire and the devil entices you with it and causes you to act upon a natural desire at the wrong time, in the wrong way, and in the wrong amount. Now, it's hard to believe, and you might be shocked by this, but I actually at one point in my journey was a youth pastor. I was. And I worked with youth for a number of years. And I, Evelyn would, would speak to the girls sometimes, and I'd speak to the guys. And, and I, I mean, I had some honest talk with the guys, and Evelyn had honest talk with the girls. And we we're just trying to help them to live godly lives. And, and we were preparing them to step into dating. We we're saying, listen, 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 you need to hear me when you, you get to the point where you're going to start dating you better have a plan for what that date is going to look like because if you start dating and you got no plan your glands just might take over you got you got to, you got to decide you got you got to have a plan because because when there's no plan when there's no plan the enemy's going to step in and it's 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 going to end up you crossing lines that you never wanted to cross now, I think all of us are on the same page today. We want our young people to rise up and be a righteous, godly generation. Come on, are you with me today? We want, come on, we want our young people to rise up and be a righteous, godly generation. And so I, I just want to offer you today, we, we, have to, we have to make a plan. We got, we got to be proactive. We got to like, like, think about it, think about it, think about it for a moment. When someone has been set free from alcohol and they were an alcoholic, the last place an alcoholic who's been free needs to go to is the bar. Am I right? I mean, you don't put them in front of that temptation. Now, I was a youth pastor, and there is a growing wave where all these youth groups want to go to this fancy beach. I won't even say the where, but it's it's in Western Ontario. And I, I said, I refuse to take our youth group to that beach. I've been there. And I'm telling you, I saw the way, the, I'm just asking for temptation to rise up because I knew the way they'd be non-clothed, if I could use those words, that beach. There wasn't a lot of clothes. I'm not going there. I mean, I, I, I wasn't there to be a youth pastor just so they could have fun and games. I was there to be a youth pastor to raise up a generation that are godly and on fire for Jesus Christ. And I remember sitting with the parents saying, you know what? I could be your pastor and I can give you a lot of fun and games. Or I could pour into these young people that they would be a godly, righteous generation on fire for God to see a change in our community. And so we we had to work hard. We had to work hard on making a plan. Now, moms and dads, if I were you, because you're in the generation now where everybody's got cell phones, everybody's got Internet, everybody, I mean, they're getting younger and younger with cell phones, with access to the web, and I'm just going to give you straight talk today. I mean, when I was a child, I saw how pornography started to grip some of my friends. It was a magazine that their daddy had that they found, and they brought it to school and showed it to their friends. Or it was a magazine that they got at the local store, but now you just got to go on the Internet, and you got the AAA plan on the Internet. It's accessible, it's affordable, and it's anonymous. And if I were you as parents, I'd be really big time apart of my child and my youth's life. I wouldn't let them... I mean, if I had... I tell you, our kids are growing up, but I want to know what they're watching on that computer. I want to make sure that, that, that I don't let the enemy mess with them and play on them. I, I tell you, I make a plan. I, if I were you, I'd make a plan in your home to make sure you're helping your kids live a godly, righteous life. Somebody give a little amen in the house today. You got to do it. You got to do it. Proverbs, or Proverbs 4... 26, 27, we're going to come to number three in a moment. Here it is. Proverbs 4, 26, 27. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet to be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left, but keep your foot keep your foot from me. I must plan to avoid it. Number three is a big one. I must guard my heart. And if I was writing these notes again, I'd say, don't just guard your heart. Guard your mind. But it starts with The heart. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 4, 24, 25 says, Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Let me finish reading the scriptures. Then I'm going to make a comment. James 1, 13, when tempted When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, because God's not the one who tempts you, folks. For God cannot... Be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God doesn't tempt you. It's the enemy that tempts you. But verse 14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and they're enticed. And then verse 15, then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And then there's Ephesians 4, 27. Do not give the devil a foothold. I want to be very honest in my conversation this morning. We, I, you, me, us, need to learn to guard our hearts and guard our minds. And, and and the world is so broken. Broken people. And the devil knows that the world is broken. And the devil knows your point of vulnerability. And the devil knows that he can tempt you when you're hurting on the inside. The devil can tempt you when your marriage is struggling and you're holding an offense and the devil can tempt you to think, man, she doesn't really love me. She doesn't care for me. I deserve better than this. And the devil steps in and causes you to do things that you wouldn't do if your heart was guarded and protected. The devil will mess with your mind because your heart is not guarded by the practical things of the spirit of the living God here's honest talk. I'm going to walk today and share with you some thoughts on, on, on territory that we don't talk much about in the life of the church. Your pastoral team and your board have together read a book. It's an interesting book, and it's worth your read. It's called Change of Affection. And this book called Change of Affection was written by a man named Beckett. And Beckett was raised in California, and Beckett was raised in a home that was very affluent. And as a young boy, Beckett was at his friend's house and he was, he was sexually assaulted by the father of his friend. The father literally walked into the bedroom and sexually assaulted him more than once. There's a layer of hurt. Hear me, church. Just because you were sexually assaulted doesn't mean, doesn't mean that the devil will, will use that as a foreground of temptation for sexual confusion, but it could mean that. Beckett was raised in an environment where all his friends were sexually promiscuous and and he was raised in a culture that, that, that same-sex attraction was common. And, and Beckett starts to share in this book that there was layers to where he got to in his point of life, but he spent many years, many years in same sex same gender relationships is it okay to talk about this this morning friends i'm just being honest and he's 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 in this and one day he's in a coffee shop and somebody walks in with a bible and a book and i think it was a commentary in the book of romans and he started to engage in conversation with this guy and the guy said why don't you come to my church on sunday this was the pastor of the church and beckett shows up and he had a god encounter And Beckett gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And Beckett began a journey. And one of the things that Beckett said in this, and I can can unpack this at great lengths this morning, but he said, I I began to realize that in my personal life, my identity was in my sexuality. But now that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I realize that my identity needs to be in Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you today, honestly and transparently, I don't know what wounds, I don't know what hurts, I don't know what baggage, I don't want nurturing upbringing that wasn't healthy in your life that has brought you to where you're at today, but you need to hear me, there's a devil that has watched you and sees what you're walking through and knows your weak points and knows how to play games in your head. I mean, I tell you, let me just be another honest conversation. There's a, Pastor Kyle, you know this is true, Pastor Matt, you know this is true. That you're walking journeys with young people who battle eating disorders. And there's a bully in the head of many of young people that make them think that they're fat and make them think that they're, that they're not looking well. And so, so the devil plays on that, and all of a sudden, anorexia and bulimia becomes their difficulty, becomes their challenge. And, and their temptation is, is not to eat, not to eat, but to not eat. And and the devil, friends, if I can be honest today, because we're letting the devil do this, the devil is winning on many fronts, and we need to expose it today. And we need to learn to guard our hearts and guard our minds. And sometimes it's not a quick little fix, and sometimes it's a long journey. And often you're going to need help just beyond prayer, and you're going to need some support and help. But how many people know that God wants to bring me and you into a better place of wholeness in Jesus' name? Come on, do you believe that today? The devil wants to bring you and me. There's an expression I've used for years, Humpty Dumpty has fallen off the wall. And it's a broken world. And you and I are just broken people who've come into the church and we're on a journey towards wholeness in Jesus Christ. And every one of you sitting here today, there's a broken component in your life. And the devil is watching and seeing and knows your vulnerable points. You need to hear me today, church. I'm just giving you honest talk. He knows your vulnerable points. He knows how he can get into your head. And we spend all our time guarding our mind, but we got to start by guarding our heart. And here's what I've learned. The more of Jesus in my life, the less room for the devil to mess with me. And that's why at the end of a service, I get in my office, say, fill my cup, Lord. I'm empty. I'm saved, but I'm em- I've given it all, Lord. I'm drained. I mean, there's times I get in my car and I start to drive home. Honestly, I'm a mess. I'm swerving because I'm so tired. I've been so focused all morning and Evelyn's got to drive and I'm feeling so drained. So I say, Jesus, fill my cup right now. Fill my cup. Give me more of you in my life right now so my heart can be guarded and my mind can be protected. You see, the devil loves brokenness And the devil loves breaking you. And the devil loves using stuff that's gone on in your life. But Jesus, the master mender, can heal that brokenness. Come on. Somebody give a little witness in the house today. Jesus can heal that brokenness. So God, help us to guard our heart. Let me just move on very quickly. Let me move on very quickly. Number four. I do this all the time. I must pray for deliverance. I mean, God is waiting for you to say, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I, 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 how many people are glad that God is there to help you? Come on, give a little witness to those. How many people are glad that God is there to help you? Psalm 50, 15. And call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you. And you will honor me. Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are. And he didn't sin. I love that verse. Hebrews 4, 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and we may find grace to help us in our time of need. Luke twenty two forty two. 42, Jesus was in the garden and said, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. John six thirty eight. for I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. You see, when Jesus walked on earth, 100% God, 100% man. And in that man body, God was, and, and he said, I'm struggling, but not my will, but your will. i am not come to do my will, but to do the will of the Father. And because Jesus went to a cross and died in a grave and been raised to life, he's on a throne today. And he's interceding for you. Some of you are thinking, nobody's praying for me. i got a word for you today. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you right now. And he's looking for you and I to call out and say, God, help me. God, help me. Then there's number five. I must turn my attention elsewhere. i got to shift from my identity in whatever to my identity in Christ. Paul said, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, hungry. He's fasting. And the tempter came to him in Matthew 4 3 if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Oh, come on, man, I'm hungry. Jesus could have told these stones to become bread, and they become bread. But, but instead of focusing on the temptation, the tempter gave him. Look at this. What did he do? He focused on the word of God. He answered, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's a nugget of truth that Mark, your pastor, lives by. How do I fill my cup? I fill my cup with the word of the living God. I feast on the word. I read the word. I memorize the Word. I eat, drink, and breathe the Word of the living God. I got a lot of books in my library, but they're pale compared to the Word of God. I fill my mind and my heart with the Word of God. When you're tempted to give up believing for your miracle, fill yourself with the word of God that says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Fill yourself with the word of God that says he's come to heal all our diseases. Are you hearing me, my friends? The word of God will bring life to your spirit and a protection to your mind. we got to put our focus back on him and our focus back on the word of God. But then there's number six. And I want to talk to you for a few moments, honestly and directly. I must get a group, and I must get a partner. And I'm going to read these verses in a few moments, but I want to share with you a couple of stories about my life. Because I've got a partner, and I've got a group. I've got people in my life that I love and lead and are part of my journey. I've got somebody, his name is Rick. Rick. Rick doesn't live in Ontario. He lives on the other side of this country. He's a pastor colleague of mine. I talk to him on the phone every single day. I need him in my life, and he needs me in his life. There's a man in this church, his name is Bruce. And I met Bruce a number of years ago, and Bruce's heart and my heart have knit so strongly that every three weeks, I meet Bruce in a Starbucks. And Bruce asks me some pretty hard, honest questions. And I need him in my life. And he's a part of my journey. And I'm grateful for him. One of my closest colleagues of pastoring in this city is a man named Jeff. And he pastors another church in this city. And I talk to Jeff twice a week. I need him in my life. I'll tell you, one of the temptations that the devil's going to give you is to do life alone but you need somebody in your life. You need somebody to hold you accountable. You need somebody to pray with you. You need somebody to lift your arms when you're feeling down. I'm not, is this resonating this morning? You need somebody to come alongside you. You need somebody to pray you through your difficulty. You need somebody to come alongside you. Pastor Marvin, we've got connect groups all across the city. We've got clusters groups all across the city, and I'm in a connect group. And I meet with some men, and some of these men right now are in this service. And I need them in my life. I meet them 7 o'clock in the morning once a week for breakfast and conversation. And iron sharpens iron. My friend Ray is sitting right down there, Ray. And I love you, brother. And you're like a father to me. And you've spoken life into my spirit. And Ray just walked a journey where he's been in Brockville visiting with his brother who just passed away a couple of days ago. And I want you to know, Ray, I'm with you in the journey. And you and I know that the devil can mess on people's minds when they're grieving and they're hurting, but we're with you as a group and we love you and we bless you. My friend Daniel is sitting over here Daniel, I had the privilege of being at your, your house that you and your lovely wife have just gotten to have a prayer of dedication, and, and, and I don't think you realize how your conversations have sparked life into me, and you've helped me, and you've encouraged me, and my friend Kelly is sitting here, and he's in our group, and, and, and I'll tell you, man, Kelly brings something to the table, and I need Kelly in my life. He's a brother in Jesus Christ, and I'm blessed to have him in my group. But there's a man that that normally comes, sometimes, well, not normally, sometimes this, sometimes to the next service, and this man's wife passed away not many months ago, in the last year, and his wife passed away, and his wife had dementia, and he'd go and see her every day, and she passed away. She went home to be with the Lord, and they had a gathering at his house just to gather people together. And the most coolest thing I ever saw was my connect group showing up at the house to support Ralph, an amazing man who's in our group. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for people who do life with me. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Here's the danger I, I, I've got to say this because I know if I don't say this, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to get about 150, maybe even 500 emails Say, Would you be, Pastor, my accountability partner? I can't. I can't. But I've chosen to be the accountability partner for a few men. And there's one man, I won't mention his name. I've journeyed with him for years. And we meet once a week. And he pours his heart out to me with his struggle and his challenge. And he says to me, Mark, I know strength is not in me, but strength is in God. I know that I'm weak. I know that, my, that, 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 that the spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. But he's feeling and sensing the claw that the enemy's been putting on his life is lifting and lifting and lifting and lifting. And he's coming more to a sense of wholeness and freedom because of the power of Jesus Christ. Somebody give a little clap offering of praise to the Lord. As I close, I want to read to you these final verses. And I pray that these verses would speak to your heart. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Galatians 6, one, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Galatians 6, 2, carry each other's burden. This way you will fulfill the law of Christ. James 5, 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death. And cover over a multitude of sins. As I, close. can I take you back to Beckett? Where is Beckett today in his journey? He's living a single life. He still battles some same gender attraction. He still is tempted in that realm, but his identity is no longer in his sexuality. His identity is fully in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is bringing more and more and more and more greater freedom. Even in the book, he talks about can some be born this way and some not be born that way. And you know, church, I'm not a doctor, I've read stuff. But what Beckett clearly says is that the lens that we have to look at life at is not the lens of culture but the lens of God's word. And I'm here to clarity today. Humpty Dumpty has fallen off the wall. And there's a level of brokenness in every man and in every woman in this house. You will not ever arrive to a complete wholeness and perfection until you see the face of Jesus Christ. But I'm here to declare to you today, bring your brokenness to the cross of Jesus. And let Jesus, the master stitcher, bring healing to those wounds. Because the more whole you become in heart and mind, the less you will succumb to the temptations of the enemy. I'm here to declare to you, the devil might be the tempter, but Jesus is the victor. I'm here to declare to you today that Jesus is greater and stronger and mightier, mightier, and he is for you, and he is here to help you. Somebody give a little amen in the house today. (laughs) Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father God, I'm so aware That what I've talked about today is just honest talk. I'm so well aware today, oh God, that I've walked on ground that's not talked about often. I'm so well aware today, God, that I brought up subjects and I've talked about things that are stirring emotions right now. But Spirit of the living God, I ask that You would heal the brokenness in our hearts. I ask in the name of the Lord that we would experience the prayer of deliverance. I ask, of oh God, that wherever, whatever it is that is tempting us, whatever the enemy is throwing at us, whatever the enemy is trying to get us to say or do, that is it's not honoring to You, I ask today that you, by your Spirit, would step in. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. God, I'm beginning to realize I don't have to be strong. I just need to invite you, the strong one, to come in and be my strength. God, I pray that we would not walk defeated, but we would walk in freedom. I pray for every man, every woman, every young person, every young adult, every single adult, every married adult, whether they are in this place as a junior hire or somebody in their 90s or somewhere in between, that you, oh God, would bring us, bring us, deeper into a measure of wholeness in Christ Jesus. I pray, God, for any man in this place that is battling pornography and maybe no one knows. Father, I know statistically probably more men sitting here, probably more men sitting here than not are battling a level of pornography because that's what the stats say. I pray freedom in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray freedom. Come on, Woodville. I pray freedom. I pray freedom. I pray freedom in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, for anyone in this place today that's feeling like giving up on you. And they're tempted to turn their back. That instead of running away from you, they would run towards you in the name of Jesus. I pray for anyone today that's feeling tempted to give up on believing for their miracle. That instead of running away, they would run into the arms of you, dear Jesus. So Jesus, I feel in my spirit you want us to run into your arms today. And we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name on, get on your feet and give a clap offering of praise. Come on, get on your feet and give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God Almighty. This is my desire.